this is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I am Molly Gamble, Vice President of Editorial, and today I'm spending time with Marty Bonick. Marty is President and CEO of Ardent Health Services, a hospital and healthcare network based in Nashville. Marty, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being my guest today. How are you and where do we find you? Thanks, Molly. It's great to be here with you today. And I am in Nashville, Tennessee, where our home office is located. Great to be with you today. Marty, before I continue, we talk some really important trends in the industry. I have to ask, as a Nashville fan myself, your favorite barbecue restaurant. I I have my own favorite, but I'm always looking to expand the roster, if you will. Yeah, that's a great question and um, super competitive these days. Um, I would say it, it's it's a toss up for me between two. My namesake, um, Martin's Barbecue, is a is a really good shop in town. Um, but Edley's uh, is, is also really, really strong. So it's uh, it's great to have choices, but uh, those are two of my favorites. Martin's uh, is one of my favorites. Edley's uh, is new to me. So thanks for the, the recommendation, Marty. Um, for yeah. listeners who may be less familiar with Ardent Health Services, can we start off by learning from you a couple key facts or insights that would help them better appreciate and understand your perspective? Yeah, so uh, historically, you know, you, you mentioned we are a, a hospital health services company, uh, and, and statistically, we have 30 hospitals and 200 sites of care across eight markets in six states. Um, we have about 23,000 uh, team members in our company, including uh, almost 7,000 nurses and, and 1,400 uh, uh, providers that are aligned with us through employment or other contractual arrangements. But um, Really, the way I've been looking at our company is, is much more than a hospital company or a healthcare system, but but really focusing on becoming a consumer-centric health services organization that, that really is putting the person, the, the patient, the consumer at the center of everything we do and realize that, that we've got a number of facilities and services, whether those are physical uh, bricks-and-mortar facilities or virtual services, technology, to interact and stay connected with our patients. And so really in a transformation from uh, – uh, a, a collection of hospitals and clinics to an ecosystem focused around the consumer and, and all of their needs around healthcare services. Mm-hmm. And Marty, it seems like, I mean, I remember at Becker's, even just a few years ago, there were still articles in which people had conflicting viewpoints about whether people who are the customers in healthcare should be referred to as consumers or patients. There were some strong opinions that consumers was not an appropriate term. And as you just described, you're looking to build a consumer-centric healthcare organization. It seems like there is much broader acceptance of seeing patients as such. Well, there is. And I, you know, I had the the fortune or misfortune, however you like to look at it, of of becoming a patient after a a bike accident uh, about a year and a half ago. And for the first time in my, you know, adult life really became a, a patient. And, um, um, you know, I'd say that we've got great caregivers um, that are trying to do their best, you know, stuck with systems and processes that don't necessarily meet expectations beyond the care, you know, and I'm talking about how do we interface with care from a um, insurance perspective, a billing perspective, a scheduling perspective, you know, all the things that we do in our day-to-day lives, I can control my whole uh, universe practically from my iPhone. 
Um, but in healthcare, I mean, it's largely been a brick. I can call somebody, navigate a phone tree, be put on hold, you know, get disconnected. You know, it's we, we've been kind of archaic historically in the way we've approached things. And people want convenience in everything that they do. Healthcare is no different. And uh, to a certain extent, I think we've got reluctant consumers. Nobody really wants to be a patient. Um, you know, something happens and they they become a patient. But if you go back to a definition, a patient is somebody who is acted upon. And I don't know about you, Molly, but, you know, I think most people were, you know, we don't want to be acted upon. We want to be involved in the care that we receive. Um, you know, we want to have our opinions be voiced in the in the care that we received. And, and historically, I think we have had this, we have built it and you must come to us mentality in healthcare. And um, the world is changing in, in literally everything else that we consume as consumers. And, and I don't think healthcare is really that different at the end of the day in terms of what people expect. And the more that um, people realize this, the more uh, new entrants we see coming into the traditional healthcare space saying it could be different, it should be different, and, and they're trying to make it different. So it's, it's really an imperative upon us to think about our patients as consumers and, and not just as somebody that is sort of subjected to being acted upon by us. Mm-hmm. Well, Marty, it sounds like from an unfortunate bike accident, you know, you, that's valuable perspective gained, especially for someone who sits in a position like you do. But I think you're right. You know, I think the patient term meaning that you were acted upon is at cross purposes with the goal of people being active participants in their own health and wellness. Um, let's let's talk about some of the headwinds you're looking at today. You are CEO of one of the country's largest private health systems. What do you see as the biggest headwinds in the near term and also long term that are really commanding your attention? Yeah, that's a great question, Molly. Um, you know, there, there really is no short of challenges, I think, in, in healthcare today. Um, but but we're really tr- choosing to look at them as, as opportunities. Um, obviously, we've got, you know, rising cost, um, you know, and inflation that we're still um, st- trying to get under control, um, you know, particularly in the workforce uh, and, and labor, but, but also the supply chain is still not uh, back to where things used to be. And, and, you know, we've taken that as, a, as an imperative to really work smarter and think differently about how we approach the work that needs to be done. Uh, the workforce challenges I mentioned are, are getting better, um, but, but they're not back to, to pre-pandemic levels. Uh, and so, you know, that's caused us to think about how can we use technology, artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning, um, how do we how do we really embrace technology to get that to work for our caregivers versus our caregivers having to work for the technology, which is I think of how things have been um, up to this point. And so we want to ease the the workforce burdens that our, our people have. If if we've got a, a workforce shortage of or talent shortage, how can we make their jobs easier to provide better care, more efficient care, more effective care? Um, so so that's a challenge that I know the industry is facing. Um, as we talked a little bit about this, this changing consumer preferences uh, is is a headwind, and we see disruptors, quote unquote, come into the industry, and they're trying to to pick apart pieces of of what we do as health systems. But um, but but I think that's really a wake up call to our industry and a change that really needs to happen. And um, as you said, that the bike accident for me really was a, a wake up call and a blessing in a sense that. Uh, uh, one, I'm still here, and two, I've got a, a platform now to do something with that experience and um, really challenge our organization to change the way in which we interact with our patients as consumers and and really think from their perspective. Um, I, I think from a payer perspective, we we've got uh, this this gradual but 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 meaningful shift away from fee for service to value based care. 
And, and I think that's a way for us to um, care for our people across their health journeys and realize that we need to be able to provide care on their terms where they want, not where we want them to be necessarily, um, but, but where they need to be uh, to get the right care at the right uh, convenience, the right cost location, et cetera. And, um, you know, so that's, that's uh, certainly a challenge that we're navigating uh, throughout all this, uh, the, the headwinds that we have. And then, and again, those disruptors that are trying to, to carve out niche offerings or point solutions that we have provided. But, but I think, again, it's, it's a wake-up call to us in terms of how we can think differently and, and ultimately disrupt ourselves um, versus just reacting to what's happening to us. So those are, those are some of the, the big things that I think about that uh, you know, we're, we're dealing with across the industry and, and how we're thinking about them at Ardent. Mm -hmm. And Marty, I appreciate how you put, I think that on your first mention, you put disruptors within quotes. And I think that's, that says something to me because we've been talking about different forces in business, whether it be several years ago, Airbnb, Netflix, how Netflix disrupted Blockbuster. I mean, now that's a really archaic and old example. And now Netflix is having its own challenges, of course, but these disruptors have changed. You've seen some move in, some move out, some that perhaps posed some risk, at least in theory initially, and then that never really played out. So I think it's a fit to put that in quotes because there's been a lot of churn to what and who is a disruptor to health systems traditionally. How are you thinking about this? I mean, this is a, a category of, of business strategy and awareness that can you need to be flexible and nimble, but you also need to be really aware. Can you talk about how you balance the day's issues at hand and then also kind of this big category of disruptors or disruption that could someday really come to affect art and health? Yeah, let, let me start with the disruptor part while it's what's fresh in my mind. Uh, I was listening to another podcast uh NYU professor uh, Scott Galloway, he's got a podcast, the Prop G podcast, and uh, he was just talking about this in the episode I was listening to, and and, and the I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he says, you know, all the attention goes on these disruptors, but it's really much more of a statement about the disrupted and, you know, a reflection on an incumbent in not meeting their customers' needs or wants, uh, you know, in a relevant way today. And and he, he mentioned also Netflix, not in the blockbuster day, but, uh, you know, how it kind of disrupted cable TV. And you see all these people cutting the cord right now. You know, but we don't want to pay $150 a month for a bunch of channels that we don't really want and be subjected to watching commercial advertising for products we don't want. We just want to watch the content we want when we want to watch it. And so, so you know, Netflix delivered a different uh, value proposition at a much cheaper cost point, you know, and so you can see how they gained popularity. And now there's much more competition for Netflix than there used to be, which is a different challenge. But, you know, for, for us in the healthcare space, it's the same way. You know, we, we have expected people to take time out of their day or out of their workplace to come and sit in a waiting room. And even though we give you a 10 o'clock appointment, we don't call you back until 1040. We make you fill out all these paper forms and, you know, we're disjointed and, you know, repetitive in what we do. And, um, you know, the world has worked differently. So it, it's no surprise that an Amazon who's obsessed with customer satisfaction it sees healthcare as an opportunity, you know, to be disrupted. Um, but but I look at Amazon and go, okay, you're, you've bought a company, uh, you know, you can't possibly, you know, have the geographic coverage in a, in a short time frame at least to provide physical interaction with every patient across America. So you have a telehealth offering, which is great, 
And, and I think telehealth is um, here to stay for our industry, something we need to embrace. But, but what happens when you need something beyond that telehealth, when you need the x-ray, you need the lab test, you need uh, something beyond what can be done virtually? Um, Amazon's you know, going to struggle with that, is my prediction. And, um, you know, they they they're they're a force to be reckoned with for sure. But but I really look at this as ours to lose. We provide you know primary care, same day walk in appointments, virtual care for all of our patients. Um, but but do we think about it in a way in which um, you know it, it, running this is a, a separate business unit, a company just like Amazon? So a, a little example: my wife got a, an email from Amazon. Uh, saying as a loyal prime member, we'd like to introduce you to one medical group and come and get, uh, you know, your your on-demand 24/7 virtual care option for $169 a year, whatever the the number was. And uh, you know, I look at our community, and we've got several big-name organizations in in Nashville, uh, reputable health systems, and I'm pretty sure they all do the same. Um, but I haven't gotten an email, or she hasn't gotten an email from them offering the same value proposition. You know, and that's an opportunity. So as, as we think about it as ardent, you know, we know what the disruptors are trying to do, and they can really only operate in a narrow sliver. We can provide the full continuum of whatever we need. We just have to think about it differently. And so this can't be something we do off the side of our desks. Um, this can't be something that we're, we're thinking about part time. We've really got to think about, you know, what do our consumers want? How do we deliver to that, them to that and give them what they want on their terms? And so to, your, to the second part of your question about prioritization, you know, how do we distinguish what's what's there, what's noise? Um, you know, we always start with the question, you know, how does this support our purpose? And our purpose is, is caring for others. And it's our it's our patients, it's their loved ones, it's uh, our communities, and it's, it's each other. And, you know, what do we need to do? And so that helps us to put a lens on what we're trying to do. Is this going to help us deliver better care, achieve safer outcomes? Um, is this going to relieve burdens to our caregivers um, and, and the, the daily challenges that they face? Uh, is it going to help us better deliver care outside the four walls of our hospitals and clinics to to, to develop a you know better, more consumer-friendly experience? And so, those are some of the true norths that we look at when we're making decisions and and how we're thinking about things. And um, you know, we've really got a, a plan that we're calling essentially Arden 360 that that puts the the person, the patient, the the consumer at the center and realize that our our facilities, our assets, our technology are all there to support that consumer's interaction and, and their healthcare, personal healthcare need, versus uh, you know just statistics of, of patients and heads and beds or clinic visits or you know throughput metrics or what have you. So that's that's how we're thinking about thinking like a disruptor against ourselves and and uh, keeping our true north of our purpose at the center of everything that we're doing. Mm -hmm. A couple of reactions there, Marty. I, I love. Scott Galloway, I'm so excited to hear someone else mention him, Prof G. Um, if listeners yeah. are familiar, a, a brilliant business mind um, for things across numerous industries. So it's, it's great to hear a plug for him. But also to your example about your wife getting that email from Amazon about One Medical, you know, this was the first year Amazon, I mean, with the One Medical acquisition now complete, um, was able to plug healthcare services through One Medical on its prime day, which is just interesting mm -hmm. to think about healthcare being included in something um, that, that consumer friendly, that targeted, uh, like you said, not typically communicated as such from the traditional brick and mortar health systems. Yeah. Yeah, I, again, I, I think that's exactly right. And it's it, healthcare is mainstream. You look at politics. I mean, this is going to be another central point in the next presidential election, as it has been. 
um, you know, healthcare is not seen as affordable or accessible as it needs to be. And, you know, that's that's a, an indictment on us. You know, I mean, there's there's lots of moving parts there. Um, you know, the insurance system is, you know, challenged that we have and the entitlement mentality and all these things. But but it's it's really an opportunity for us to step up. And as I say, it's, it's ours to lose. We, we have had the patient relationships. And I believe as a health system, we should be the trust broker. Um, I, you know, as, as I think about my personal healthcare journey, I don't think about uh, my insurance telling me where I, I should receive care or an Amazon or a technology company. I trust my physician, but but if we don't give them the tools and the technology and the, the resources to provide an Amazon-like experience, it's not going to be a surprise that people go and, and, and shop and test the waters and see what else is available. So I agree with you completely. You had mentioned in your introductory remarks that Ardent is aligned with 1,400 providers, whether that's through affiliation, employment. I wanted to carve out a moment with you to talk about physicians right now. I, in talking with other health system CEOs, I really appreciate the thought they raised to me, which is that, you know, yes, let's talk about shortages, let's talk about deficits, but at the same time, let's make sure we are really appreciating the physicians who are with us and making sure that we are doing things and accommodating them in a way that empowers them. So I'm curious what that looks like at Ardent. You know, you mentioned you trust your physician. How are you really putting physicians in place to be partners and the primary point of contact for consumers? Yeah, so so let's start with the statistics uh, for a second. We, we our physicians uh, and, and uh, allied providers see about 3 million patient visits a year. Uh, which is probably more than 20x the number of inpatient admissions we have as a as a comparator. So, so we've got a lot of touch points with our uh, with our communities, with, with the people that live in our communities, many of which don't ever need to step in, inside the the four walls of a hospital in a, in a given year, um, but but um, but have a lot of healthcare needs nonetheless. And so so historically, I think we're health systems have, have maybe lost uh, lost their focus is we've we've thought of physicians as a mean to putting people in bed to to, to putting people in the OR and, and uh, you know creating these uh, opportunities for facility based uh, statistics but but really it's that patient relationship that's so important and you know do we have the ecosystem to provide the health services that patients need in their everyday lives beyond the four walls of the hospital so for us you know, we really see the physicians as the as, as the front door to our community um, to create those trusted relationships. And, um, you know, some of those patients will will end up in the hospital and need those services, but, but many will not. And so um, we're thinking about, um, you know, our physician platform as the, as the catalyst for our value-based care, um, for providing the right level of services in the right place, in the right location, and the right fee structure. Um, and, and really, you know, that being the, the driver for our, our company going forward. And if you, if you go back to the disruptor comment, um, what, what does CVS, Walgreens, Optum, uh, Amazon all have in common recently? You know, they've, they've purchased large platform physician groups or are expanding their physician private presence. Why? To get closer to that, that personal patient, you know, consumer relationship. Uh, where, where I think we have the opportunity as health systems is to embrace that same mentality and, and physicians aren't there just to put people in the hospital. They're there to lead the relationship. And if we do that, we have that that ecosystem around to provide care when they need more than what can happen in that office. And, and where I think ultimately we have the upside still on an Amazon or a, an Optum or CVS, et cetera. 
So, so that's how we're thinking about the physicians and how we how we work with them. And so, how do we give them the tools that they need to be successful? Um, how do we help grow that pipeline that you alluded to? Um, you know, we've we've invested even in technology. We've got a company called Winnow that we created to help us to recruit physicians into our network. And uh, the way I look at Winnow is it's uh, we we kind of created the LinkedIn for physicians without them knowing they joined. You know, so we know every physician across the country, where they trained, uh, where they live, where their spouses uh, or partners uh, um, reside, where their families grew up. And so we can try to triangulate and find warm candidates that would be, um, you know, good candidates to, to go and try to recruit, um, bring people into our markets that we, we operate. And so, you know, we're, we're just trying to think about, you know, again, how do we put the physicians and, and our patients as consumers at the center of what we're doing to be able to to drive that those interactions and trust trust relationships. Mm -hmm. And just to kind of loop back on the disruption piece, you know, when you talk about CVS Health, Amazon, these big companies buying these phys physician groups and platforms, you know, do you see any, I, I guess my question is this, is that like primary care physicians especially are in such a powerful, they hold such a powerful seat but they typically, it's not a lucrative specialty compared to some others. There was just an article in Harvard Business Review, I believe, a couple of weeks ago about how PCPs, more than some other specialties, need a lot of encouragement to take on leadership roles. They're often reluctant to do so. But when you see these big companies looking to add more physicians to their ranks, Marty, do you think that kind of renews the importance or power that these healthcare players hold um, in what can often seem like a very system-to-system -system landscape of healthcare? Do you think it renews any empowerment or interest in the individual physician and the influence they can yield and kind of in where patients are going, how care is delivered? I'm just curious at a high level what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I completely agree, and I uh, I missed that particular uh, HBR article, but um, but it, but it makes complete sense. And you know, if you step back, I think you you can understand maybe how the primary care role got diminished um, in a sense when you when you put that hospital lens on top of it. You know, primary care um, largely exists outside the four walls of the hospital, and as as the rise of hospitals came about, you saw you know a lot of primary care physicians even giving up some of their hospital privileges because they weren't following and rounding on their own patients anymore. You know, and so there's been an evolution over the last couple of decades um, that is taking primary care further and further away from the hospital, which, you know, if you're a hospital, if you're if you're a hospital CEO and just looking at that lens, you're you're completely dependent upon that referral stream, but yet they don't practice in your hospital and you don't see them every day in the doctor's lounge or cafeteria. And, and so it, it's easy to see perhaps how how things have evolved, but I think it's also indicative if as you look at an Optum or you look at a you know an Oak Street or one medical group, how the rise of primary care has come back. And you know I think primary care is central to a successful value-based population health strategy, and they're going to be the, the quarterbacks and at the center of that. And the rest of us are are going to be. Um, um, living off of of that, so um, I, I completely agree that there's an opportunity here that that needs to be taken advantage of, and um, you know, and we need primary care to re-engage in this holistic healthcare uh, mindset about how do we care for a community, a population, and um, they they have to be tip of the spear because they're the ones having those conversations and making the decisions of where patients are ultimately ultimately going to be. Mm -hmm. 
As we down, wind down here, this year, Arda introduced the role of CMIO to its executive ranks. Can you tell us more about that, Marty, and what the impetus was for that addition? Yeah, so uh, Dr. Brad Hoyt uh, stepped into our chief medical information officer role and a uh, great addition to the team. He, he's been a practicing physician with us in our Tulsa market um, for, for a number of years, but uh, has always had a bent for technology and, and what do the physicians need? And so this is a role that we brought on uh, as part of our growing focus around, uh, again, embracing technology to improve what we do, how we do it, to make our hospitals smarter, to interface with our patients uh, more effectively. Uh, you know, everything that we do has a technology component. And so so Brad's role is, is central to understanding what do our providers need to be successful uh, and, and embrace everything we've been talking about from being the trust broker with our patients to managing their their care um, as a population, uh, working with our payers. Uh, so it's it's really central to that. But, but Brad also plays a role in um, our innovation and transformation committee that is focusing on, you know, what other technologies do we need to bring into our organization and do we build those? Uh, we, we recently announced uh, a launch of a venture studio with a company called Switchpoint uh, here in Nashville. And, uh, you know, there's going to be solutions that we need that don't really exist out in the market. We're going to go build our own and kind of like Winnow uh, or Polaris is another example uh, around uh, demand prediction and staffing and scheduling. Uh, that we created and uh, what are the things that we need to go buy or partner with other uh, organizations. And so we need to have that um, that physician clinician mindset uh, as a part of, of making sure we're making good investments in technology that really are going to solve our problems and advance our organization. Mm -hmm. I want to wish Brad continued luck and success in his new role. And Marty, I want to thank you for being my guest for this dynamic conversation. You touched on a number of really important issues right now and interesting issues uh, that are in play right now for big health systems and smaller organizations too. So I want to thank you for being my guest, Marty Bonick, President and CEO of Ardent Health Services. Wish you a great and continued success in the year ahead, Marty. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Molly. It was great to be with you today. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks, to help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there.